It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Part-Time Genius, a production of iHeartRadio. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? All right, so you know the story of David and Goliath, right? Yeah, it's like the most famous underdog story in history. (laughs) I think it probably is, but it actually turns out that David may not have been the underdog that he's been made out to be over the years, and some historians think that David was actually the one with the advantage. So Goliath was definitely big. He was either six foot eight or nine foot seven, depending on which account you look at. So, yeah, it's a little bit of a difference there, but he's one of those. And at that time, either of those heights would have just been huge. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was also wearing some heavy duty bronze armor, wielding a sword, a spear and a javelin. I didn't actually remember all of these things, but here's the thing. Even though David was going in without any of that, no armor, no blades, no high ground, He was packing superior firepower. So everybody knows he had a slingshot, but I think most people probably picture the kinds of slingshots that maybe we had as kids or something Mm -hmm. like that. This was not a kid's toy. So he was using a sturdy leather pouch with two long cords attached to it. Now, this would have been the same kind of sling that soldiers at the time were using for long range attacks. And he mastered the weapon during his time as a shepherd, where he would use it to ward off wolves, other predators. So in his hands, it was truly a deadly weapon. In fact, the stopping power of the stone fired from David's sling would have been comparable to that of a 45 caliber handgun. What? That's crazy. It's almost like that scene in Indiana Jones where the bad guy does all this fancy sword wielding and and then Indy just shoots him and walks away. I had forgotten about that scene, but right, like the fight was over before it even began. And it does make David's victory a, a little bit less surprising when you think about it. Yeah, so I was actually thinking about David and Goliath recently, and I realized I don't know what the beef was between them. Like, was it just a bully thing? Why Why exactly were they fighting? I think you, you clearly did not sit through as much Sunday school as I did over the years. <laughs> but yes, it was more or less a land dispute. So at the time, the Israelites were living in a mountain range along the eastern border of Palestine. And eventually their enemies, the Philistines, they started to encroach on that territory. 
But rather than have like this full battle with all the bloodshed that would be involved there, the two sides agreed to settle things with a little one-on-one -on -one fight. So the Philistines sent their mightiest warrior to act as their champion. That was, of course, Goliath. Mm -hmm. And the Israelites sent David because, well, actually, he was the only one willing to face off against the giant. But you take a second look at this famous story and you see how exaggerated the Philistine threat may have actually been. And so it made me wonder if there was anything else about the Philistines that we should probably think twice about. I mean, we all know they've gotten a bad rap over the years, and I'm hoping that today we can shed some light on whether or not they really deserve it. So we've got eight facts left to figure it out. Let's dive in. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hatikater. And on the other side of the computer screen, showing his Philistine pride with a shirt that says, actually turn it this way, it says, Justice for Goliath. That's our friend and producer, <laughs> Lowell. That is, uh, I don't know where he got it. This may have been another one of his homemade ones, but it's impressive. And that is a hot take if I've ever seen one, but I guess it is good to know where Lowell stands on all of this. Yeah, Lowell stands with the Philistines. Yes, he does. It is funny, but when I saw the topic for the show in our uh, sort of running Google Doc, it, it made me laugh because I've had this dad joke for a while I, I, I've been telling. You know, Lizzie and I are from different backgrounds, and people always ask, like, how are you raising your kids? And my standard answer is like, well, Lizzie's Christian, I'm Hindu, but we're raising our kids Philistine because <laughs> my kids are awful. But I'm actually glad we're learning about this culture because I've been using it as the punchline for such a long time now. Yeah, I, I have to be honest. I, I feel like I have to over the years. We've got our friend and researcher Gabe Luzier with us here. Gabe, good to see you again. Hey, Will. Hey, Mango. Nice to be back. All right, so I'm curious about this. Do you have a stance on David versus Goliath, Gabe? <laughs> I mean, I try not to take sides, but I will admit I do have a soft spot for David. I, I had this uh, Nintendo game as a kid called Bible Adventures, and uh, there was a section when, <laughs> when <laughs> there was a whole section of the game when you played as David. And the really funny thing to me was the gameplay was all based on, you know, the fact that he was a shepherd, like. That's mm -hmm. the part of the story that the developers thought would make the best game. And so most of the time, you're just David. You're running around, collecting sheep, uh, returning them to their pen. You only fight Goliath at the very, very end. Oh, wow. So I, I'm actually super curious because I've never heard about this game. Are, are the sheep important to winning the game? Uh, unfortunately, no, not really. Like, uh, you have a slingshot by the time you face Goliath, so you have to take him down with the old rock between the eyes trick. Uh, you know, apparently that's the one detail the game developers were, were sticklers about. Like, you can climb a tree with, with five sheep stacked on top of your head, but you can only kill the giant with a rock. I love that. Well, I'm up next, and since Will mentioned what a bad reputation the Philistines have, uh, I kind of wanted to look into why they got it and who they got it from. So as you can probably guess, the Israelites are the source behind most of the griping about the Philistines. And, you know, they're talking about them being barbaric and crude and uncivilized. And if you flip through the Bible, it's not hard to see why the Israelites might feel that way, right? There are more than a dozen violent clashes between the groups, plus a few random acts of meanness, like the time the Philistines destroyed Abraham's well by filling them up with dirt. Classic Philistines, I think. 
So there's actually another piece of evidence for why the groups didn't get along, and it comes from a pretty strange source, and that's ancient pigs. So back in 2013, a team of archaeologists compared the DNA of ancient pig remains with that of modern pigs. And what they found was that the boars that live in Israel today are actually descendants of the Philistines' pigs, which they likely brought over from Europe. And since observant Jews don't eat pork, archaeologists think that the Philistines' taste for swine kind of forced this us-versus-them mentality sort of with the Israelites. That's interesting. I've never heard that. But uh, here's something weird I learned this week. It turns out the word Palestine is actually derived from Philistine or Philistine. And just to be clear, the two groups are not related. But after they came to the region, and you know, we're talking about 9th century BCE here, the Philistines had assimilated so completely that it was actually impossible to distinguish them from other groups in the area. They lost all their defining characteristics and basically disappeared as a people. But their name lived on because a few centuries later, when the Roman Empire invaded, they just Romanized the old name Philistine and turned it into Palestine. And so the name stuck around ever since, even though there's not really a connection between the two groups. That's interesting. So, so do both names mean the same thing, like Philistine and Palestine? Yeah, that, that's the other weird part. Both words do mean the same thing. They roughly translate as the foreign invaders. And hmm. if that sounds like a weird thing for a group to call themselves, it's because they didn't. The name Philistines was just what the Israelites and the Egyptians called the group. To this day, we have no idea what the Philistines actually called themselves, and yeah. we probably never will. All right, well, I'm glad you two got into some of the origin stuff, because I actually want to talk about how Philistine became kind of like this insult that you'd use to describe Mango's kids, mainly Mango's <laughs> kids. So uh, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, a Philistine is, quote, a person who is usually disdainful of intellectual or artistic values. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's pretty rough. But that definition actually has a lot less to do with historical accuracy than it does with classism or you know, like general snootiness. So the modern meaning began to take shape at German universities in the late 17th century, where you'd have these stuck-up students who would mock the townies by calling them Philisters. And so from there, writers and critics picked up on the word and it began to spread across Europe. And you fast forward to the 1700s, it had made its way to America. And here's the most surprising bit. Ben Franklin was one of the first Americans to popularize the term here. It was in 1737 he published a list of more than 200 expressions for describing someone who's had too much to drink. And among them was the colorful phrase, he has been among the Philistines. <laughs> That's so funny. I, I feel like at Mental Floss, that list would come up over and over again. Yep. And every single time I read it, I was like delighted by it. It's just so great. Yeah, so good. But you know, what, what, what's funny about that fact is that it's actually kind of accurate. Like the Philistines were known as these party animals of the ancient world. Um, their feasts were ragers and, and their cities were filled with multiple breweries and wineries. So they were really ahead of the curve in terms of alcohol production. But the thing I found surprising is that the Philistines were far from uncivilized. Like these biblical stories and stereotypes kind of make them seem like they were a bunch of meatheads. But there's all this archaeological evidence that proves the opposite. So, for instance, a Philistine graveyard was discovered for the first time in 2013, and it showed that they were a people who lovingly buried their dead. 
So many of the bodies were entombed with a bottle of perfume next to their face so that the deceased could almost like enjoy the fragrance throughout eternity. Wow. See, I grew up going to Sunday school and there was never any hint of that kind of, I don't know, tenderness from the Philistines. Like they were always just the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that makes sense, right? Like history is written by the victors. And so it's only now with these recent discoveries that we're starting to get this fuller picture of who they really were. And as it turns out, they were way more advanced than we've given them credit for. They were, in fact, like years ahead of the Israelites. The Philistines were renowned for their use of iron, which was a rarity during the Bronze Age. They were the only ones who knew how to refine and temper the metal. So even the Israelites would have had to rely on the Philistines when they needed to sharpen or repair their iron tools and weapons. Wait, so their arch enemies would ask them for help with their weapons, like... Like, sharpen this for me, please, so I can turn around and stab you with it? Is that kind of what was happening? (laughs) That's basically the case. I mean, it's super weird, but, uh, you know, there's all this mounting evidence that the two groups may not have been as directly opposed as we once thought. And, uh, I mean, they clashed a lot, for sure, because they were living alongside each other, but they also had to work together and share resources. And eventually they intermingled so much that the Philistines ceased to be a distinct people. This is kind of what Gabe was talking about. So mm-hmm. the relationship probably wasn't as cut and dry as you might think. Well, I mean, that seems like a nice upbeat place to stop and, and take a quick break, but we've got four facts left to go. So we'll be right back. When you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. 
and of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Part-Time Genius, where we're talking about the Philistines, who are these iron-wielding heathens that history loves to hate. (laughs) And today, we're actually trying to give the group a much-needed makeover. So, Gabe, you're up next. Help us win some hearts and minds with this one. Go for it. All right. I think I've got just the thing. Everybody loves green onions or or scallions, right? Of course they do. And, you know, they're found in everything from... uh, (laughs) Thanks, guys. That's what you're starting with. (laughs) Right? (laughs) No, everybody loves green onions. It's a matter of fact. And, you know, they're found in everything from Mexican cooking to Chinese food and... If you are a fan, you've got the Philistines to thank for it. Um, The Philistines were among the first groups to cultivate green onions and export them from their port city of Ashkelon, which is uh, still a city in Israel today. And in fact, the onions were such a hit that everyone started talking about the onions of Ascalon. And uh, eventually the words just kind of got squished together and people started calling them scallions. I love that, like... It was just, everyone was buzzing about these things, these onions of Ashkelon. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) It is an amazing fact. So I've got another one that hopefully drums up a little sympathy for the Philistines. I assume we're all familiar with the Ark of the Covenant, right? Like the Mm -hmm, the sacred mm -hmm. Hebrew artifact, Indiana Jones plot device, all that. Man, he just keeps coming up today. Like Indiana Jones getting a lot of shout outs. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you can't escape him. He, he's like one of the three cultural relevant points we have for, uh, you know, archaeology. <laughs> the real Ark of the Covenant was an incredibly meaningful object to the Israelites. And everyone at the time knew this, including the Philistines. So one day when tensions were super high, some Philistine pranksters stole the Ark and placed it in one of their own temples which kind of sounds like a college prank or something, right? But right. if Raiders of the Lost Ark is is clear about one thing, it's that bad things happen to people who misuse the Ark. So the Philistines didn't get their faces melted off, but what they did get was a mass plague of hemorrhoids. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure which is worse. It might be worse to actually have your face melted off. We'll have to check. Well, Well, uh, you know, this is for real. According to the Bible, the quote, the hand of the Lord was against them and he smote the men of the city, both small and great, with hemorrhoids in their secret parts. And Menelfloss did a piece back on this in the back of the day, and and they referred to this as, quote, the only mass hemorrhoid attack in recorded history. So, (laughs) you know, kind of of a strange claim. But, uh, you know, it, it did take some time for them to get some relief. The hemorrhoids actually stuck around for a full seven months. Uh. I guess this is before Preparation H. But um, at that point, the Philistines finally asked their priest how they could atone for their sins and end this plague. And the answer was, of course, to return the Ark to the Israelites. So this is actually my favorite part, uh, because they were instructed to make amends by sending an offering of what included, quote, five golden hemorrhoids. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's best if you don't try to picture that. And, and what it might have looked like. But I, I do find it funny that some poor Philistine sculptor had to grapple with what that should look like. Yeah. 
Such a gross and weird story, but uh, but but a good one. All right, well, all right, I, I mentioned earlier that the Philistines and Israelites probably had way more daily interaction than you would have expected, and I do want to talk about one of the strangest examples of that. And this story goes back to Samson, who was the Israelite who, of course, had the long hair that gave him super strength until Delilah cut it off. But something you may not remember about this is that Samson was actually married to a Philistine woman long before he was connected with Delilah, and, and they had a pretty unusual courtship. So one day Samson was on his way to visit his bride-to-be when he suddenly crossed his path with a, a wild lion there. So this isn't a problem for Samson, though. He easily kills it with his bare hands and carries it on his merry way. And you fast forward to the next week, and Samson is on his way to marry this Philistine girl. Now this time he comes across the carcass of a dead lion, but for some reason, it's now overflowing with beehives and loads of fresh honey for whatever reason. So Samson does what any of us would do. He tucks into the dead lion and scoops himself out some honey. You know, it's honey. You don't want to turn yeah. that down. But not only that, he also gathers some to serve at his wedding feast. So this is already like the weirdest story I've ever heard. But, but uh, I, I feel like you're just getting started here. Yes, this is definitely one that just keeps getting weirder. And I actually did not remember much of this from uh, from Gabe in my, uh, my uh, uh, Sunday school classes. But anyway, you cut to Samson's wedding feast, and he's sitting around with all of his wife's Philistine friends, chowing down on the lion honey, when suddenly <laughs> Samson tells the group that he has a riddle for them. You know, he's probably feeling kind of giddy. He's been eating all that honey. And if sure. they can solve it within seven days... He'll reward them with 30 new sets of clothes. But if they can't, then they'll owe him 30 sets of clothing. So the Philistines take the bet, and Samson delivers the riddle, which was this. Out of the eater, something to eat. Out of the strong, something sweet. <laughs> right? So the Philistines, they, they rack their brains all week, but they cannot figure out the answer to this thing. And at last, they are so desperate. They go to Samson's new wife and they beg her. They beg her to find out the answer for them. So she does. And Samson eventually tells her that the answer is the lion he found on the side of the road. Which, first of all, like, what a weird, dumb riddle. Like, it's mm -hmm. just a trick to get 30 pairs of clothes or whatever. But it really doesn't feel fair. How are they supposed to know that, like, there's some magical honey dripping corpse out there <laughs> uh, yeah i mean that's a fair point but the guy needed 30 new pairs of clothes i think so he couldn't <laughs> couldn't take any risk and maybe samson suspected that they had cheated to get the answer because the way he chose to pay the bet was more than a little bit hostile like he went out and actually struck down so he presumably killed 30 philistines then he stripped them and gave their clothes to the people who had answered the riddle wow. i mean that is harsh but at least he honored the bet. He did. Yes, he was a man of his word. He did. He did. He did. And and he didn't kill the people who cheated. Actually, he killed thirty other Philistines to teach them a lesson. You know, that really really teaches you a lesson when you do things like that. And so to make the whole thing even weirder, after all this happened, the bride's father took his daughter, gave her in marriage to somebody else. So the whole thing was actually for nothing. Like they didn't even stay married. Oh, man, that is such a mess. I, I love that story. I can't believe they left that out of Sunday school. But <laughs> on the whole, though, I, I'd have to say the Philistines did eventually get the last laugh because 
My third fact is that they actually helped plunge the ancient world into a 200-year dark age. And I know that doesn't cast them in the best light, but hear me out because the ancient world kind of had it coming. So beginning around 1200 BCE, prosperous empires like Greece, Egypt, and Canaan, they began to fall apart. And historians think the Philistines are partly to blame for that. They were located at the center of a vast trading hub, which made it easy for them to raid their neighbor's ships and, you know, disrupt the trade system. And in particular, the Philistines were able to cut off the supply of tin that Mediterranean nations relied on for making bronze. And, you know, there were other factors at play, too, like a string of bad weather and disease. But the so-called collapse of the Bronze Age had a lot to do with Philistine raiders kind of throwing a wrench in the tin trade. And, you know, the world was forced to switch from bronze to iron at that point, and the Philistines who caused the shift were quietly absorbed it, you know, into the surviving nations. I mean, I guess it, they, they got to go out with a bang and, and <laughs> took everybody else down with them in the course of that, but that's, that's an interesting way to go. Yeah, I mean, it was probably payback for everyone calling them Philistines all the time, right? right. <laughs> you know, that... <laughs> That and, you know, the hemorrhoids. That the hemorrhoids. I was going <laughs> to say the hemorrhoids. It's pretty rough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that last fact was sunny enough, Gabe, but but I did love your Nintendo game fact so much. Like, yeah. of all the Nintendo games out there, the fact that you had one based on the Bible is amazing to me. <laughs> and I think it's not just great that you told us about it, but that you're telling the world about it on this podcast. So I think you yeah. deserve the trophy. I completely agree. I'm actually sitting here on eBay trying to see if I can find a copy of this uh <laughs> game of course now i'm gonna have to find a nintendo as well but it's worth it for for whatever it's (laughs) it's a few hundred dollar investment but yeah well worth it worth it (laughs) so i I think that's gonna do it for today's part-time genius thank you everyone who sent in invention ideas uh they've been piling into our instagram account and we love them so much they are so weird and so fun and so good so we are gonna announce the winners on the next show and from uh mango mango i feel like we should remind them what the big look if i've been saving up i think we need to drive it home what (laughs) What, the prize is what are they gonna win will they're gonna win six dollars now we're splitting it so it's three from each it's not it's not six from each of mango and me it's six total three depending on how we're doing maybe could be four from me and two from mango just depends (laughs) depending on the stock market yeah depending (laughs) on how the market's going yeah exactly But thank you so much for sending that in. It it really makes us so happy. But from Will, Gabe, Lowell, and myself, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Stay safe, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Part-Time Genius is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. 
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.